0: I think our feelings change about getting older as we get older. As a child, I never wanted to grow up. Then, as a teen, I couldn't wait to be an adult. Now that I'm over 30, I find myself wondering how well I'm going to age and how to get the most out of that time. Luckily, I met just the right guy for the conversation. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host, as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is David Bernstein. David is a physician specializing in geriatrics with 40 years of experience. A great many people in his early life pushed his focus and care towards the oldest members of our society, studying what gives the longest, most active, and engaged lives. He's now here to share his findings and help us avoid the many avoidable pitfalls of aging and disease. If you're one of the many new people checking the show out because it is a featured podcast right now, welcome to the show. I hope you find lots of fun and knowledge in the backlog I've built up. And if you've been with me in the show for a while, thank you for listening. Just Dumb Enough is not too far from its 100th episode, and I'm not sure what to do just yet. So I'm leaving that up to the audience. Email dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com Or send a message to any of the social media pages and tell me what you want me to do for the big 100. Do you want a special return, guests? Do you want to submit questions for another Q&A episode? But force me to start another podcast? Whatever is in your heart or on your mind. But for now, let's take steps to get the most out of our many remaining years. welcome to the show, David Bernstein. Hi, Colton. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the audience?
1: Well, my name is David Bernstein. I am a physician. I uh, grew up on Long Island, New York, the son of an immigrant combat wounded World War II veteran who had an impact on my life. And I had an amazing and great childhood. And uh, While my father discouraged all his kids to not going to his business, my brother did, and I didn't. I was encouraged to be a doctor. Uh, I loved the idea, and I was very happy that I chose that path. I watched my mother fret about the care that her parents, my grandparents, got when um, they got older, and how poor the care for older adults was. And she had me swear that I would do a better job and be nicer to my patients. And she held me to it. Um, also, while I was growing up, I, I came across a National Geographic magazine uh, in uh, 1973. And on the cover was a centenarian. Uh, I did everything I could at the time to learn about how people live to be 100, because I thought that would be amazing. And I um, I incorporated that into my plan for life to be a doctor and take care of old people. So that's what I did. And it was one more thing that happened before I graduated from high school. I heard our commencement speaker who had graduated 10 years earlier talk about his career in writing. And I put that one more piece in the puzzle of what I wanted to do in life is I wanted to write and express myself. So in my 40 year career, I managed to do just that. And uh, I even reconnected with the, uh, the commencement speaker. His name is David Fisher, and he's a very prolific ghost writer and author, and he's been very successful. So there were some really good things that happened to me there.
0: Yeah, awesome. It seems like a lot of, like you said, pieces of the puzzle that really came together over time.
1: Yeah, I was really, really quite fortunate. I went to medical school and, and settled in, um, well, where would I settle? What would make the most sense? I could live near my parents who very moved to Florida. And if I wanted to be a geriatrician, what better place than Florida to ha- hang out a shingle and have a, a ready supply of older adults? Um, so that was great. And uh, in, in the course of doing that, I got to to see older adults who had had fascinating lives or, or bad lives and, and were healthy and unhealthy. And I got a chance to kind of study what, what happened to people. And um, uh, just like as a podcaster, where you get to ask a lot of questions, um, when my job was done taking care of their high blood pressure, their diabetes, I got to ask them questions about their lives and in, a, in an attempt to prepare myself for what I would do as, as I continued my career in my life. So that was, that was a great experience.
0: Yeah, it's good. You get to like build some tips along the way where you're like, okay, what did, what went wrong before you got to 70? It brings up an interesting question though. Why are there, why is there such an elderly population in Florida?
1: Uh, maybe it was a myth. That people should move down here. I think the weather is really nice most of the year, um, and so there's no opportunity down here to slip on the ice. And when my patients who had moved down here and their families wanted them to move up north, uh, that was a pretty significant thing. They said, "Oh, it's too cold up there. I can't get out, and um, I'm afraid I'm going to fall, and you know, I can't shovel snow anymore." And 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 so, of Florida became that that ideal place to live. The other thing, though, it's kind of interesting about your question is people from the Northeast move to the East Coast of Florida. People from the Midwest and Canada tend to settle on the West Coast of Florida. So um, I didn't mention it, but I went to school in St. Louis, Missouri. And having come from Long Island to St. Louis, Missouri, that was odd. That was slow down, man, just take it slow. But they were very authentic people and it was a very enjoyable place to, to be educated. And when I looked at the different places to move to, it was the West Coast, having people from the Midwest as my patience as opposed to the reputation that people from the Northeast have. Um, it made it a lot more pleasant. And um, I don't know that I could have done that job on the East Coast. So, um, it was nice and, um, people come down to Florida to escape their children, maybe, um, in in addition to nice weather, they'll leave their kids up North and, and they'll be able to do whatever they want down here. And, you know, as they would get older, they'd, they'd be, (laughs) if their kids knew what they were doing in terms of, um, uh, risky physical behavior. I don't want to make it sound like risky sexual behavior, but risky behaviors. Uh, One of my patients uh, played softball and he got himself knocked around quite a bit um, when he got quite a bit older and had quite a number of injuries and uh, skin tears and bruises to his skin um, that his family, if they knew what he was doing, or maybe they tried to rescue him and they didn't. He, He did eventually move back north. He was one of my faves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I've gotten to spend some time in Florida and it is very nice weather, even in like late November, you can just kind of sit outside in shorts and a a shirt and hang out in the sun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like December 25th, December 30th. I often take a picture of myself outside in shorts and a T-shirt and nothing better than that. Um, We did have a hurricane fairly recently and um, that um, that's getting to me a little bit. That was a really bad thing.
0: Yeah, and that seems to be kind of the the primary hazard of living in Florida as well. But I had met a a man while I was down there who was 90 and played regular games of golf, you know, just went out and golfed. And he's like, Hey, you know, I don't I don't have anybody down here to stop me, so I just keep doing it.
1: Correct. And and I've had many of those people too. Um they were just remarkable that they can continue to do that and they enjoyed it and um it I marveled at the fact that they could do it every day I mean that would get kind of boring but um it was part of their routine and kept them alive it gave them something it it gave them a purpose and a goal in life which is something that that I've observed in in my patients as I've aged yeah
0: is it just because like I didn't know anyone who was 90 and regularly doing that much exercise is that kind of becoming more common as our you know, medical procedures and our medical practices get better is to see these longer lifespans?
1: Um, Well, it's, it's not the case for everybody, but, but those who were active in their sixties and seventies being in Florida gives them an opportunity to be outside um, and, and continue to do those activities. And I can speak for myself that and, and it's only me and in terms of how I live my life. But I don't think I'm I don't feel like I'm much older than when I graduated from my residency. So I was 35 or so or 30, 35 when I started practice. And, and those people were, you know, in their 80s, it was a big age gap. But the age gap narratives as I got older, but it never seemed to stop people from doing the things that they wanted to do until of course they broke their hip or their back or arthritis got so bad, but but they would continue to do lots of things that um, people up North can't. And, and those people who, who would argue with me sort of, and say, well, I don't wanna move back to where my kids are. I said, but you don't get out very much down here. And if it snows up there, you're gonna still be inside like you are down in Florida or flip the seasons a little bit. Uh, between June and the end of September it's really hot down here and and some people just can't go outside it's just too oppressively hot so I marvel at my patients who really did those things late in life
0: yeah a lot of kind of tenacity to just go for it
1: they don't know any better
0: yeah and it seems like like you said earlier there are some risks as you get older Like you don't want to slip on the ice because that could be a major injury that changes your entire way of life.
1: And I've seen that happen and it really uh, changes trajectories considerably. But then there's the issue with driving too, that if you're not where there's family, then you're in your eighties and nineties and feel that you have to continue to drive to maintain your independence. And uh, I think that gets difficult. It's like, you have to do all your own cooking and cleaning and shopping and and go to the grocery store and and deal with all kinds of people out there and unsafe drivers and um, they're hazards, but they're hazards wherever you are.
0: Yeah, and there definitely seems to be like you know a wide disparity in our the way we take care of ourselves and the way that we age because like I said, there was a ninety year old. He was playing golf. He was doing all of his own driving. He was doing all of his own cooking all of that. And then I have seen some people who are like, you know, just getting over 65 and they're pretty much done.
1: (laughs) Uh, You you know, you, you're, you're pitching to my wheelhouse here in terms of the things that, that I know about and, and, um, and the things that I've observed. So I I can tell you that uh, when I looked at, when I spoke to audiences and I would ask them questions or look at my, my own patients, I'd say, what are the things, what are the, the the constants that lead people to this, that kind of life, a long, healthier life where they're active and engaged and so forth. And they tended to do five things consistently. Whenever I talk to audiences, I limit my presentation to five items because people can only remember five things at a time. And if they want to do anything, Oh, I can do five, but, you know, give them seven or eight, or, you know, when people publish their list of 10 and I heard of a 13, it's like, nobody can do that but five you can do. And, and so um, in, the, in the course of massaging those things, I came up with an acronym and the acronym is GRACE. So GRACE stands for goals, roots, attitude, companionship, and environment. So let me talk to you about each of those and show you where that fit in with my patients. But as we talked a little earlier, when you have a goal or a purpose in your life, uh, it gives you something to get up for, something to live for. Um, if it's, golf, if it's a a community event, or you're on a committee or a board or getting some purpose in your life, it keeps people uh, and their minds actively engaged. And uh, I wrote a lot about my patients who were retired Salvation Army officers, but they remained engaged in their community the entire time in their retirement. And they were, those who were down here, retired officers. They assimilated in one particular community near my office and and became my patients, a whole bunch of them. So I saw it over and over again. And they had this purpose of helping people and giving, giving back to the world. The second letter in that is roots. Uh, roots initially to me means DNA. What are your genes? Do you have good genes? Your bad genes. Because if you have bad genes, do something about it. If you know there's diabetes in your family, and heart disease, be on the best diet you can be on, address your genes. If you have good genes and everybody in your family would live to be 90 I have a similar answer is take care of your genes. You're blessed with good genes. That means don't do any risky behavior. Don't go on a ladder. Don't go climbing on a roof. Don't go sharpening knives for a living because you're those are risky behaviors. And those are the things I saw it in my practice that disabled people or kill them. Uh, so doing things that would take and pre- be protective is really important. And then there's attitude and attitude means a lot of things, but, but to me it's gratitude and being kind and those people who experience and express themselves and their attitudes that way, um, were the happiest, best, uh, um, mannered and, and most appropriate people. And they really did really quite well. And, and when I wrote a story about one of them, um, it was, it was a chapter in my book and I called it hitting home runs. And this was a chapter that was going to be all about me, that I hit home runs, that I save people, I found their cancer or their colon or their prostate cancer. and Did these, these things that, by the way, happened pretty infrequently in my career, treating older adults. It's a lot of chronic disease, but, but you're doing things that, that make a difference in, for over the long haul. So, um, it was going to be about how I did this. And, and then it occurred to me when my patients would come back to see me, the joy they got for expressing their gratitude to me far exceeded what I was receiving by taking care of that. And the expressions on their face and the fact that they said it every time that they came back to me for their return visit. Oh, doctor, I'm just so grateful that you found that prostate cancer so early or so grateful. You saved my life and, and I'm able to come back and 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 see you and and also badger my husband along the way. But but I, I've seemed to have this, you know, I I I want to tell you about it every time I'm here. And the expression on their face was unbelievable. So having gratitude and kindness is really important and having that positive attitude. And then the letter C stands for companionship. And this is a recurring theme for, for me. Um, but those patients, those individuals who have a companion, someone to share their life with, really made a difference. And sometimes it was a matter of, you know, um, you have a cough, go see the doctor. If you're living alone and don't have that companionship, there's no one to badger you or tell you to go do things. But it's also some somebody in your life that's worth living for. So companionship is really important. And, and as I ease into the last letter, E for environment, well, that's about what goes on around us. And I can talk about that because that's like getting out with nature or seeing the sunrise or the sunset and breathing fresh air. Having a garden is really important, and being with nature. But the other part of environment is the inside environment. What are we doing within our bodies to take care of this, ourselves? And and these people who who um, live these long, healthy lives uh, tended to incorporate whatever in their environment. They ate better than most. They took care of themselves. They made v- visits to, to doctors, and um, they were my group of happy, healthy, long living adults. And, um, I didn't do any research into it, but when I started reading afterwards, some of those same traits are the traits that people can relate to the word that we now use called resilience. So having goals, roots, attitude, companionship, and interacting with our environment are the things that give people that resilience that, that, Many talk about or they've talked about for the last few years anyway, and uh, I live in the Tampa Bay area and and our Tampa Bay Rays had been in the postseason, despite their very low um, salary that they play their pay their players and and they would often talk about their resilience and and that. Uh, continuous grouping of, of having goals and knew, knowing their roots. That was really a, an important characteristic in, in what made them and other older adults resilient and live long lives. So um, the, the thing that I took away from that is that's how I'm going to make myself a healthier or better individual. And, and those are things that I know... I have to incorporate in myself and have to find for myself getting up in the morning. Do I have a goal? Do I have a purpose for the day? What's my attitude? Am I expressing gratitude and and so forth? So those are some of the things that I think were phenomenal about being a geriatrician, because that's what I learned from my patients. And I want to share that message with whoever I can, like on our podcast today, it's, it's an experience that, that I really value
0: yeah and those are things that you know you don't have to be in your later years to appreciate like having a goal and a purpose can drive you today knowing the things that are going to be good or bad for you in the future like i know you know there's heart disease in my family and all of the males in my family start having heart attacks at like 50 like okay well that's something i definitely have to watch out for right sure not being super negative or just sour about everything that happens, any little inconvenience, like, you know, having a positive attitude and keeping it up like that helps you in the long run. All of these things help us today.
1: Sure. And I'll say it about any of the subjects we talk about. It's never too late in life to adopt them, but it's also never too early. So adopting them earlier, you know, pays dividends uh, um, immensely down the road. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that, that I think I would want any audience to understand, that we can make a difference in how we turn out. When I, when I, it's it's kind of interesting. When I read that National Geographic article, I, I remembered the name of the author, and very recently, I went back or to check on the article and it, the, the author's name was Alexander Leaf. And I researched him and he was a, a physician uh, somewhere, I think, in San Francisco. And I, I think it was really interesting that um, he discovered or he wrote about in this National Geographic article about the things that we're discovering in what are called blue zones today. And it, it does have something to do with this companionship and how you live your life that promotes this longer longer existence. The other thing that, that I can transition into is it's not only about longer life because people can live to 90, but unless they have, uh, and that's their lifespan, but I talk about health span. So someone would wanna have a long lifespan but also a long health span because if you retire at 65 and you're disabled, and you live to be 85, you have 20 years of disability, 20 years of not being able to do those things that anybody would want to do later in life. So um, that's when I went back and I started doing my research about what are the things that we can do uh, preemptively? What are the things we can do with intention to make our bodies better and stronger? Because I saw many of my patients not doing those things, it's like what? Do, what do we do? What's the and what's the unifying component of this? So I would see in the things that that afflicted my patients the most in terms of causing death were um, heart disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative disease. And neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease. Um, those are the ones that scare people the most because they say, "Well, I could retire at sixty-five, but if I have Alzheimer's disease, and I'm seventy and I'm healthy, and I live to be ninety. That's a, you know not a very good existence." So, I started looking at what what's the unifying feature in there, and the unifying feature in those conditions and many others is inflammation or chronic inflammation. So, what are the things that trigger this chronic inflammation? And and by the way, I'm not the only one who would espouse these things. I just have made a simple formula of, of how you can look at it. So there were five things that I was easily able to identify that cause inflammation. I made it even easier for my audience and my readers by making them all begin with the letter S. So I tell people to avoid sweets, avoid stress, get more sleep, sweat, and sex. And I know that's Excel, so I included it as one of my S's in my in my um, in my formula, um, and I'll I'll get to that in a little bit. But but w- what I've learned um, as I did my research and even after is that sugar is really addictive, and our society is addicted to sugar. Now, I make it a little broader and say carbohydrates and starches and and processed foods because processed foods have a lot of added sugar and extra components to them high fructose corn syrup but the sugar component sets off a a release of a neurotransmitter in the brain called dopamine which is the pleasure neurotransmitter and then that's the thing that people get addicted to they need their sugar fix they need their dopamine release so one would go about living their lives by reducing their sugar intake um, and and the, the the there's a distinction here if I may is that there are people who are addicts and they're addicted to narcotics or alcohol or sex or over exercising they all have to do with getting pleasure and getting dopamine release happiness or in my case I call it contentment is a serotonin neurotransmitter so I tend to, think of myself as being content or other people would be happy, but I'm content with my life and I avoid that sugar fix. But that sugar fix also causes release of cortisol and other substances that are damaging to blood vessels and that are hazardous to our brain. And that this inflammatory process may also contribute to the onset of cancer. So that's why S, avoid sweets is my first letter. The second avoidance is avoid stress. I have to tell you, Colton, right before our visit today, my computer wasn't booting up fast enough. I felt stressed. I'm not a stressed kind of guy, but I did not want to be late for our podcast today. So I felt this urge or this surge within me um, that I didn't find very desirable. But some people live with that. And that's another thing that causes that cortisol release and another thing that causes inflammation in our body. And we all have jobs and we all have bosses and we may not like them or maybe it's a relationship and finding a way to reduce our stress burden, such as meditation or mindfulness, things that are talked about really really often in our community. And then the third S is sweat or get more sweat. Sweat is my euphemism for exercise. And so research tells us that we should get between 150 or 450 minutes of exercise a week. So how do you go about doing that? Well, it could be as little as 30 minutes, five days a week, which could be a 30-minute walk, which is also a good time to unwind and and de-stress. It could be 90 minutes. That includes cardio workout and strength training, all of which are really important. And And now you're hearing from the geriatrician who says, having muscle mass is really important because it's if we have muscle mass, we're less likely to become frail. And when we become frail, that's another part of this inflammatory process, but it leads to falls and falls leads to a visit to a hospital and a nursing home and and a a potential downward spiral. So um, incorporating something that's gonna help our muscles, make us move, make us less likely uh, to fall and reduce the inflammatory effect and get a little bit of a high from endorphin release is is really helpful. There are two other things I like to talk about with regard to exercise. It's better than any antidepressant medicine that's ever been invented. It also reduces the risk of recurrent cancer by 35%. So when people are getting chemotherapy and, and, and they're told to do their exercises and incorporate exercise into their life, they're getting an extra 35% boost in what their chemotherapy already has to offer. So it becomes an important component and it kind of reverses the downward spiral of what people go through when they're diagnosed and and get surgery or radiation and chemotherapy. It kind of reverses that trend a little bit. So it becomes really helpful. And uh, I'll tell you, I practice all the things that I'm speaking about today and, and work on getting them intentionally into my life. Then you hear about an, another one or two that are kind of interesting, but um, so the fourth letter in my S's is, is sleep. Oh, how bad sleep was when I was working as a doctor. Uh, I don't know what it was like for you as, as when you worked in, in emergency medicine, but knowing that my phone could ring it at night and did, and that I'd have to go up and turn on my computer and, and put in some orders in the hospital um, and get up early to get to the hospital. Sleep was not as eff- effective work a high enough consideration for me earlier in my life, and I have really worked on making that better. But it takes time and effort and, and, and to overcome some of those bad habits that developed. But um, at least once a week, I, I learn about any one of the things I've mentioned that can contribute to Alzheimer's or dementia and diminished sleep is one of them. Sleep is an important time when our brain rids itself of some of the waste products from uh, metabolism from our brain. Unless we do that, um, we're sabotaging our own ability to maintain our independence and and, and age well. And so the, the final component of my power of five S's is sex. Well, different generations view sex differently. Um, I did have a cup of coffee this morning with a chaplain from the hospital. And we talked a little bit about that and where that fits in with different religious beliefs. But sex is about intimacy. It's also about companionship and socialization. And those things are incredibly important. And they are things that I've woven into my own life Even intentionally getting on Zooms with people that I want to meet and introduce myself to and develop relationships with, uh, it may sound fake or unauthentic, but I am taking care of myself and I'm introducing that concept to the people on the other end and making sure they know to do that. And when I talk about intimacy, the opposite of that is loneliness. And loneliness is a health hazard in this country. And it was recognized before the pandemic. And we all know it's gotten worse. So that's where Zoom comes in and remote learning or or remote work. And and we don't have those interactions with other people as much. So it's gotten worse. And all of the things in this formula of five are things that do require intention. Like I got to do this to take care of myself. I got to exercise, take care of myself. there are people who live long in my family, but some may have had dementia for one reason or another. and I do my utmost uh, to uh, reduce that. And so those are the two formulas that that I've developed and the two things that I live by. And uh, there's one other thing that that filters through all this and and it terms it, it has to do with uh, mental engagement. That, that people talk about doing puzzles as a or a crossword puzzle or a wordle. I, I think the science is not as clear about which of those things is best, but there's no question that engagement and doing something becomes an important component of how our brain works and, and survives. Um, when I was in medical school, we learned that once you lose a brain cell, it never comes back. I think in my 40-year career, we've learned that that myth is—that's just a myth—that we are able to learn new things within the contour of our brain that are called neuroplasticity, but also grow new brain cells called neurogenesis. Genesis is, is birth, so so you could you could learn new skills, and it's one of the reasons why I became an author. And, and what a great experience being an author has been for me because I had to learn about publishing books. Not only did I know how, learn how to write and write better than I did because doctors are not really, not only our penmanship is bad, but our skills were more in math and science. So, um, and, and I applaud you for the creative stuff that you do, but and I had to include that creative stuff in what I do now. And it's a really stimulating challenge to put words on paper and know that you can self-publish as I did and or make a choice between publishing with a publisher or self-publishing. And then how I'm going to lay out the fonts and the layout of the book and and how I'm going to construct it and how I'm going to market it and how I'm going to do all those things. And they're all kind of new to me. And even learning how to how to use um, a computer and how to link things in an article. And it's like all this amazing stuff that I've learned. And it's all about taking care of me. Yes, I'd like to take care of other people. What else would a, um, a doctor want to do? But also taking care of me, myself, so that I can be the best that I can be we talked a little earlier about just playing golf every day that that really didn't thrill me i had to have some variety and some different things to do
0: yeah of course and i always credit people who have published more than one book because as i've been told by all of my author friends publishing your first book is an entire nightmare process that people don't understand so going through it twice you've really got that resilience we talked about where it's Mm -hmm. like Yes, hmm. I did it a second time. I don't know why I keep doing it to myself.
1: <laughs> There's something a little addicting about it. And, and, and the other thing is, we don't get many opportunities in life to push a, you got to see my finger, but to push a button. But there was a night when I pushed the button to publish my first book. And it was as exhilarating an experience as almost anything I've ever felt in my life. What, you know, five years of work to put those words on that paper and work with that person and that person and, and, and that company to structure the book and price the book and, and do all those things. It was it was a miracle that it happened. And when I pushed that button, it was like, it's live. People are going to see my book out there and buy it and tell me what it impact it had on their lives. Some of that may have been a dream, but but pushing that button and having that experience um, doesn't come around that often in life. And, and maybe it comes around a little bit more often for a physician who, who might walk into a room and say something and alter someone's life in a favorable way. Not everybody has that opportunity, but more people probably have an opportunity to write a book. And by the way, there are a lot of authors out there who are writing books now. Um, it's gotten it's gotten quite a bit easier
0: yes of course no i think it's something like you can look for that in your life like find your button pushing moment because as you said like oh i'm putting this thing out into the world like i get to do that twice a week now and it is a very like intense feeling because when i line everything up i've done all my editing like the episode is up i know that you know eventually that'll happen with us right like this conversation all of you know, cleaned up all of my ums and uhs and, you know, cleaned up the audio and anything like that. And I get to sit there and be like, okay, when I push this button, it's going to blast out across the world to all 115 countries or whatever it is that I'm listening to, or, you know, getting heard in and they're all going to be able to hear it. And there's like, there's a little stress and there's a little anxiety. And then I hit the button and I'm like, we did it. We did it. Another one accomplished.
1: And, and what an accomplishment it is. When you realize that there might be something, even one little morsel that came from any one of your shows or my, the show we're doing today that impacts someone's life, you, you've done something that not too many people get a chance to do in life. And, and I experienced that as, as a physician, but it, it wasn't, they were few and far between, but when, when people would come back and tell me what happened or what I saw, um, but you get a chance to do that with your creativeness and, and that's an amazing accomplishment.
0: And I think that's why everyone needs to find their version of that thing. Like they're not all right for you. Not everyone's going to enjoy writing a book and not everyone's going to enjoy having a podcast But you can find a version of that because, and I'll take a step back to what you had talked about with these five S's, like it's kind of a vicious cycle that I see in people where they're like, oh, you know, I'm really stressed with work and I'm not sleeping enough. So I'm eating all these sweets to kind of, you know, like get me feeling better. And then because I'm so busy and I'm not sleeping enough, I'm also not working out and I'm not engaging with anyone around me. It's like, okay, you've done all five of the bad things. Don't like, this is not not good what you're doing.
1: Well, it was another day of work for me. Uh, having seen those people right in front of me, they didn't all, always ha- at lack all five, but, but I had lots of people who were spinning out of control because they couldn't get any anything going. Uh, they couldn't gain any traction. And um, so it was an opportunity to try and break that vicious cycle, like you said.
0: Yeah. Is there, like, if you could, you had somebody out there that was listening right now and they are bad at all five, right? They're too much sugar, too much stress, not enough sleep, not enough sweat, not enough sex. Which is the first, like, what's the most important one they should get on the plate right off the bat?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, it it varies be- between individuals. Um, I think the eating part, really has a lot to do with how we feel and our lack of energy and i was at at an opportunity to hear about people who were eating a plant-based diet and um, and then i had coffee with someone a few days later and and she told me yeah the same as what you said i have a lot of those things that i'm not quite doing right she was a young woman she said, but when I made some dietary changes, I felt it immediately. I felt it within a week that my energy level came up and, and she in particular with her, it was dairy products. Now it's not dairy products for everybody. And I think you'd, you need to transition to something that's healthiest. And, and I didn't even say what I thought was the healthiest way to eat, but um, in her case, um, doing something eating wise. And, 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 the, and I avoid using the word diet I'll use lifestyle. So a Mediterranean lifestyle with fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, uh, whole grains, nuts, seeds, those sorts of things that has frequently been rated as the best diet for health, weight loss, longevity. And that's what I recommend to people. Uh, my wife and I take it a couple steps further by eating a whole food plant-based diet, often called a vegan diet. Uh, and All my research suggests to me that that's even healthier than a green or Mediterranean diet. But when we can get some of the chemicals out of our foods, some of the processed sugars that get put in our foods, um, it really makes a difference. That sugar component is a really important component that we need to look at labels and make some changes. Um, the food industry knows this and that's why they put sugar in foods. Uh, If you have a chance to walk down the cereal aisle of your grocery store, all of the boxes of sugary foods, um, cereals are at eye level for children to pick out and they'll pick out ones that are loaded with sugar. And when parents say, my kids are crazy in the afternoon and I, they're like bouncing off the walls, it's because they have kind of had sugar um, as one of the ingredients and in something that they ate. And it would be healthier to eat a fresh fruit like an apple or, or even a banana things that have natural sugar in them. And they're surrounded or enveloped by fiber so the fiber slows down the absorption and it's a much healthier way to eat so i think starting there but you know my power of five is is a pentagon and select one the one that thing that you think is the most toxic in your life and start with one and then add the others because for some they're in a toxic relationship And, and that it's hard to break away if you're trying to make dietary changes and, and the other and toxic person in that environment is not forgiving or flexible in terms of that. And you got to kind of eat on your own and live on your own little island. Um, I always think it's not hard to find 30 minutes in a day to go for a walk. And, and start with the physical component of that. And, and when, I, when I talk about exercise, it could be anything. You can go to yoga class and you go to, go to Tai Chi. All of these things will put you in, in an environment where there are other people. So then you start to work in the socialization part of all of that. Um, and then you see that it, it starts making a difference and it snowballs in the, in the right direction. And then you got to prevent the snowball in the wrong direction, too, in, in, in getting back into those or those habits that aren't as helpful. Um, it goes without saying that people should watch out for the other sinister S's in the environment, like smoking and um, alcohol consumption can be hazardous to people's health as well. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell people, I think coffee is good for your health. So, so I'm not telling people not to drink coffee. Um, and, and there's a lot of good evidence, whether it's cancer or heart disease or, or brain health, that, that coffee can be beneficial. But you know, keeping a diary, keeping track of what you're eating keeping track of how much you're exercising i use a smart watch and i keep track of my sleep Uh, if there's anything i beat myself up about that's probably it that my sleep is not getting me to the to the goal that i really want to be at Um, there there are countless studies um, about if you don't get enough sleep it's hard to control the hormones that are controlling your appetite and satiety so that if you don't get sleep then you're going to be more hungry and you're going to be more hungry you're going to eat more calories and then you're going to you know make that spiral in the wrong direction so it's they're all inter interrelated uh, but start with one Add another make some new year's resolutions when the new year comes around then i'm going to add a few more um I've I've made my writing pretty simple. My books are available on the internet and I've converted my power five book into an online course so that people can sit and watch 20 minutes at a time and get my wit and wisdom. There's not as much wit, but there's a lot of wisdom um, in terms of presenting that information and motivating people to, to make the changes that can be helpful.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of things in there. Cause like, you know, pick any one, there's some that move people more than others. And I will say like, try and go to your store, whatever it is you grocery shop, and find food that doesn't have a bunch of sugar in it. It's way harder than you think. Like I spent a lot of time when I tried to start cutting sugar out to look at labels and I'm like, my God, it's in everything. It really is in like all your food, so you're just gonna have to start from scratch like okay, I guess I'm picking like base ingredients and i'm going to start making meals because anything that has more than one ingredient in it at this point is just chock full of sugar and the same thing like you know with exercising with me like i feel great after exercising as long as i can keep that up and part of that is like getting enough sleep so yeah these things are connected but each one like if you just start doing one you will feel better and maybe you'll start doing the second one exactly
1: and, and and one of the tricks my wife talks about on on our online course because she she did the food component is is the grocery stores have play certain music to get you to buy more they put the bakery near the front of the store because there's a there's a Smell component to what we buy, and and then she recommends just walking on the outside uh, perimeter of the store or the inside perimeter of the store. You know where you go to the 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 vegetable department, fresh fruits, and and stay on the outer side because you go through the inner you know inner inner aisles of the store. That's where there are um, sugar coated cereals and sugar sugar beverages and frozen foods and and all these things with lots of preservatives. You stay on the outside. Um, you're going to have better success in that, except when you get to the beer line and you know, you got to bypass that one a little bit. I'm, I'm not too keen on the calories and carbohydrates associated with alcoholic beverages. Sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, lots of things to take in. And I think that's a good thing to kind of leave the audience with is like, look, we've talked about a lot of things that will vastly improve your life, even if you just adopt a couple of them, but we've given you lots. So, you know, come back, listen to this, hear more of it. And then I was hoping to give you some time to kind of talk about your books and where people can find you if they're looking for more.
1: Glad to tell you about that. Um, My books are available through my website Mm -hmm. and they're also available on Amazon. So I've written, I've got some good news and some bad news. You're all tales of a geriatrician. That's all about what I learned from my older adults that made them live happy, healthier, longer lives. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't add my small book called um, A Senior Driving Dilemma about getting our seniors off the road or talking to grandma, grandpa, or your parents about the safety of their driving. And then I wrote The Power of Five, The Ultimate Formula for Longevity and Remaining Youth, also available on my website, which I'll give out in a minute, and Amazon Uh, And my wife and I put together a journal to associate with that um, to get people to keep track of their progress and converted it to an online course, which is, again, available to my website, which is Power of Five, the number five, Life. Dot com so that's poweroffivelife 5 lifecom and uh, people can go and read my blogs and get recipes from my wife and we have some free offers for uh, cookbooks seasonal cookbooks that that people can download for now that Thanksgiving and the holidays are coming up people can um, have healthy meals to prepare now they're they're often kind of vegan meals but there's instructions called Melissa's modifications that can help people add other other um, poultry or fish or lean meat into those um, meals. I eat them every day. She takes pictures of them every day. So I'm very well fed with healthy foods. I do not miss animal products at at all. Um, There's enough vegan options or way of seasoning foods that make it really very good. And um, in terms of my online course, it's uh, over five hours of, of information, and I present it the same way I do in my writing, but I give a little bit more detail. I have some notes about um, some of the graphs that I present. You know, our health system is a disease care system, not a healthcare system, and people I've discovered, need to take the bull by the horns. They need to take their own responsibility and um, make changes because our system just fails them. Um, And with the fact that death rates or mortality rates have gone down or gone in the wrong direction, people are not living as long now as they were two and three years ago. Um, COVID and uh, opioid uh, um, crisis have contributed, but this is the first generation or, or ours is the last generation that will live longer than their parents and our children won't live as long as we will. So there's a big message in that about adopting some of these things to make a difference in your life. Yeah,
0: certainly some things to watch out for. And if people go and pick up your book on any of the digital retailers, I always tell them leave a good review because it helps boost your authors and these books up the ranks and up in popularity and more people get to see them and learn what you learn. So,
1: thank you for mentioning that. That is so important, and it is one of the things as an author that um, I ask people to do. So, thanks for asking the, the audience to do that for me. And and those who are, I'll give you a little plug that those who are listening to your podcast, if you haven't mentioned it already, leave good reviews. I know when I listen to a podcast such as yours, I do the same thing. So, I'd encourage everybody to who's listened and gained something from our our discussion today to go out and do that because it it does good things for algorithms and spreads the word and and for Colton to be out in so many different countries, it, it's really an important thing. And I congratulate you for the way you run your podcast and the questions you ask and the open space you gave me to talk about things that I'm very passionate about, as you
0: can tell. Yes, of course. And I appreciate that plug because it does mean a lot to us as podcasters to get those reviews. And it lets people, lets me know that people care and they you know, they want to hear what we're doing and what we're saying. Um, but I've also appreciated this immensely. It's been great having you on the show. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you for being here.
1: it been my pleasure.
0: Do you feel more informed having listened to this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast? If so, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. If you really liked it, remember to subscribe for more episodes and check out our nearly 100-episode backlog that I've built up. Let me know what you'd like to hear by reaching out and emailing me dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or by sending a message to any of the show pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. If you're looking to start your own podcast, I'd highly recommend using the host service I use, Podbean. You can find almost literally everything you could ever need to start an amazing show of your own at podbean.com. That's p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com. They have incredible tools for recording, hosting, cross-posting, promoting, and even monetizing. They're also built with an awesome support team behind the scenes, and they have always answered any of my questions in blazing fast time. The November rankings are all but sealed, with number one, the United States, headed by California, New York, and Pennsylvania as top states. Number two, the United Kingdom, holding tightly to that spot. Number three, Australia, firmly led by New South Wales. Number four, Canada, with Ontario stealing top province in these last few days. And number five, Sweden, with nearly a tie between Skane and Uppsala, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. I will say to Ireland, India, France, New Zealand, and Germany, with just a couple more people listening... Any number of you could steal that number five slot. But that's all for today. I'll see you all on the first or Thursday with the insider secrets on healthcare supplements. Bye bye